Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. <laughs> Welcome to the Believe in the Broncos podcast presented by Bet Online. Bet Online is where the game starts. Big O, let's get into it. Today is a big day. Ownership presser. Um, tell me about the ownership presser. Does that mean anything to a player? Um, I don't think it really means a lot to a player. I actually just got back from Broncos uh, uh, practice and got opportunity to see uh, Patrick Bowman. So I was talking with Patrick for a while and Patrick's always been very close to the team and a, a very close person to me as well, him and his brother, Johnny. So just was talking to him. I haven't seen him in a couple of years. Uh, so it was nice to catch up and you could tell, you know, I was just congratulating him and, and all of his family's success while owning the Denver Broncos. Although it's been a, a crappy six years for Bronco country and fans, we, we must not forget what the Bowman family meant to this organization, you know, for them to have as many playoff performances as they have had, to put together as many, you know, dominant teams. I remember just a quick story. I remember as a rookie just getting here in 2011 and the second day of training camp was when I signed my contract. So I was at the second practice and I remember the fans just, like literally, literally yelling and chirping. That was the year we had the second overall pick. So, you know, we lost a lot of football games. We were a 4 12 football team the year before when Josh McDaniels was fired. And I remember fans yelling, hey, Big O, glad to have you. But 4 and 12 is not good enough. Like, we expect to be in Super Bowls over here. Like, the playoffs is not even something we look forward to here being in Bronco country because that's the expectation each and every year. And I just remember being like, oh, my goodness, like, this is like my first day of training camp. And I got fans mm-hmm. talking to me like this. So you could tell right away what this organization, what this team means to this city. And the Bolton family, the class act, you know, and Pat, while he was alive, ran this thing how it was supposed to be. And the best right. thing that you'll always remember about Pat Bolton is the fact that he didn't sit there and try to be judge, jury, and executioner. You know, he would go through a very intensive hiring phase to hire people and put them in place, but then he would back away and let them do their jobs. And when you own a a football team, it's easy to kind of get into it and want to be making every decision and things like that. But, you know, it's really hard to build this thing. So a GM might have a certain idea of what this team is or what scheme they want to see or what scheme he's drafting for. And ownership might not have any of that. And you see a lot of the times where ownership and GM, they don't really mesh well together. But there is a reason why, you know, when the Bolden family owned this group, aside from the last six years, that there was not a lot of moving changes when it comes to the head coach position. 
because they're a synergy. And, you know, mm. that's how this thing needs to be ran in order to get this thing back to the top. So hopefully the Walton Group does do that because I think that that's a key factor in however you run any business. It could be a mom and pop shop or a Fortune 500 company. There has to be synergy. Everybody has to be on the same page and there has to be each and every individual carrying their weight. So hopefully that's what we see here moving forward because we saw that for a long time with the Bowling family owning the Denver Broncos. You know, the interesting thing just, you know, for most of my life, uh, Pat Bolin was the owner of the Denver Broncos and just watching how he went about his business, being present, but not having to be heard on everything. And we don't know what really went on behind closed doors with him and Mike Shanahan, but he did trust everybody employed. And the interesting thing was, is there was such an affinity for Pat Bolin, not just from like the higher ups, but like everybody in that building just loved him. And now we have Mr. Walton taken over. And I think it's really cool. Some of the people that he's brought into the group and, you know, it's probably not a, you know, for me, it would be a ton of money to get, be a part of the ownership, but he's the bulk owner and they brought in like Condoleezza Rice and, you know, Hamilton and stuff. And it's kind of like a, a new era. Do you think that some of those guys that they're bringing in was just kind of like maybe to get a different perspective, different ears, maybe not necessarily for football, but more for business maybe? Yeah, it's 100% strategic. Let's be honest. The Walton group doesn't need any money. He instantly became the richest owner in the national football league by far. I mm-hmm. mean, I've read some crazy stat where you could kind of put together uh, about a third, at least a third of the NFL owners take their money <laughs> together, what their families are worth, and they're still not worth more than this one group. So this, you know, as far as him bringing on these other people, it's all strictly strategical, in my opinion. You know, kind of Lisa Rice, there's a lot of political power behind her, a lot of political juice. And, you know, what she stands for, the fact that she's you know, African-American, a minority, the fact that she's a woman. Uh, I think that that all helps with this and, and what you're trying to build in this ownership. And I anticipate that they're not done yet. I think there's going to be more and more people that are added to this thing. But each and every time somebody's added to it, it's strategical for sure. And it's for a specific reason. It's not a cash grab or, hey, this person's going to put up this money. So yeah, great. I will give you a piece of my ownership. If that was the case, I'm sure we would see different types of people in this. I'm sure, however, you know, this Walton group has done it. They're saying they want to change the game of sports and we're seeing football trend. And it was one of the more, one of the slower groups to trend in this direction, but we're seeing a lot of female employees when it comes to the National Football League, and that's going more and more, and I'm and I'm all for it because if mm-hmm. you coach or you have a strong mind, business mind, or or you know whatever the case may be, strength and conditioning. I know Lauren Landon out there had a, a, a female person on his staff last year, and that's in the weight room, you know. So right. let's not be naive. This is 2022. Anything men could do, women could do as well, and I believe that. It's good for the game, especially as long as you know what you're doing and you take your job very serious. That's all that we could ask for at this level because there's a lot that goes into winning football games and putting a product just on the field to compete each and every week. 
You know, the interesting part is I think we both agree George Payton's done a really good job since he's been here. And in that ownership group, there hasn't really been a football person, you know, like everyone talks about uh, John Elway or Peyton Manning or adding someone like that. Do you think that they're not doing that because it might interfere with what George Payton's doing or maybe they just haven't come up with the right deal with somebody? Yeah, so for me, I, I truly believe that those there are those back uh, alley meetings that we're not privy to. I, I, mm-hmm. I, I would hope that Peyton would want something to do with the Broncos. Heck, he resides here. I, I coach with his his son's little league football team. His son's going to ready to play tackle football for the f- first time. And when you just look, if anybody remembers back in 2011, or no, sorry, early 2012, when Peyton was getting ready to make his decision, you know, a lot of these teams were coming out the woodwork. Tennessee offered him a better package than the Broncos could ever offer. And Tennessee offered him some ownership as well. So he could have stepped right into that role and he didn't take it. But we've seen Peyton do so many different things. And I don't believe that Peyton wants to be a coach. There's just too much time that goes into that, especially when you're raising kids. But I do believe that he would like to be a part of the Broncos in some capacity. I'm pretty sure I've read that somewhere also. I think with that, it's, Picking the right person because I, too, I truly believe that there's two guys here in Colorado that Bronco country, the state of Colorado, would definitely love to see them doing something with the Broncos. And that's John Elway and Peyton Manning. Mm. And now it's up to the Walton Group to dissect that situation and figure out what's the right situation, what's the right percentage, how much involvement uh, are they there for the day to day or what that looks like. But I, I truly believe that it's not done yet. Uh, I, I think there's, there's going to be more owners added to this thing for sure moving forward. You know, it's funny, too, because a lot of fans here in Denver, they want to pit Peyton Manning and John Elway against each other. Both, you know, obviously John Elway is the original OG. Like John Elway, you know what? John Elway put the put Denver on the map. You know yeah. what I mean? As far as the sports goes, I mean, we had nuggets and stuff, but like John Elway, uh, he epitomizes what Broncos country uh, is. And then Peyton Manning, the consummate professional, the way he went about it. Um, I don't think those guys are at odds in any way. Do you? No, I mean, I, I truly believe that if the Denver Broncos are, do not have John Elway employed, that Peyton Manning does not come here in 2012. Amen. I, I don't care what anybody says. I, I you know, you look at what John's been able to accomplish. It's funny that you're, you know, we're talking about this because I was talking about this earlier with Tyler Columbus and James Merrillat out of the facility and Chad, uh, uh, Chad Brown. Also, you know, when I look at just Peyton and what he, he was, he was going to go anywhere and win. You know, he had it from the neck up and he still had some juice left behind that right arm. So he was going to go and compete wherever. Um, the Broncos had a solid defense. We were young on offense. We had the young left tackle to, to protect him and Ryan Clady. And, you know, Colorado, obviously anybody that's been in Colorado knows we have a lot to offer when it comes to the outdoors and, and just all year around. So I think that those were deciding factors, but I think John Elway was the ice on the cake. And that's just because of what John Elway has brought to the city, what he now has, has done as a business-minded person, um, everybody knows who John Elway is, right? And the, the, the multiple, the car dealerships or the restaurants or whatever he has going on, he's going to be successful. Generational wealth, right? Money that your kids' kids can't spend. And 
I truly believe that at some point that that was mentioned between John Elway and Peyton Manning as far as the success that comes after football also. Or why else would Peyton live here? Let's be honest. Uh, went to Tennessee, could be a king in Tennessee, does a lot mm-hmm. in Tennessee, has a uh, host in a country concert in a couple of months out there. Um, so that's there. The ties that are in Louisiana, right? I did a commercial with Peyton and Eli out in Louisiana many, many years ago, right? And the man and family are absolute royalty in the state of Louisiana. And then, oh, by the way, he played for Indianapolis and brought them a Super Bowl as well. And there was many, many great years. But yet he chooses to retire here in Colorado. And oh, by the way, his wife owns a piece of the, the Grizzlies, right? So you're, you're looking at the ties in these different states all over the world where, John o, where Peyton has decided to stay here. So I, I believe that that doesn't happen by chance. Anybody that knows Peyton, anybody that has seen him on TV do something, you could tell that this is a very calculated person that thinks about the whole picture. And for him to come to Colorado, uh, you know, I remember when I got here in 2011, looking out the plane, being like, what the heck is this? That we're landing in the middle of nowhere. And my <laughs> thought process at that point was four years and then I'm out. Within two months of being here in Colorado, getting out of training camp, I knew that I could retire here and spend the rest of my life here. This is a beautiful state. People come here, they get stuck every single day. And I love it because, you know, the more people that come here, the the more things that come to Colorado, the more that we're on the map. Like you said, now I get a little pissed off when it gets a little overcrowded. But I, sure. I do Me too. People, yeah, I do love people finding this hidden gem. No, we have a great state here in Colorado in the Denver metro area is awesome. And welcome all comers, but like, let's learn how to drive. Maybe let's widen the highways. We can figure out all, all the other stuff, but yeah, um, it was such a, a secret for so long. Oh, like, I, I mean, I can't tell you, I've, I've lived the here my whole life and just watching secret, it. Right? The best kept yeah. in secret, right? Yeah, and it's not anymore. Um, before we get to the actual football, uh, Yesterday was kind of the inaugural DT day down at Georgia Tech. Peyton Manning was down there. Demarius Thomas was just a loved figure here in Colorado. Not only was he an amazing player, but just a good, good, good human being, which, you know, we all love to see. I just didn't know if you had any, like, cool DT stories you wanted to share or anything like that before we get into just the football stuff. Yeah, you know, um, unbelievable thing that Peyton reached out to Georgia Tech and did. And, you know, kudos to both Georgia Tech and Peyton Manning for getting involved and and putting a stamp on it. This is something that I will follow for the rest of my life, who wins that scholarship each and every year because DT was an unbelievable human being. Um, You know, it sucks. It's sad because when this happens, it's trauma. It's something that you can never walk away from. Nothing could ever change. And for me... I'm just left with, man, I wish I did more. I wish I reached out to him more often. I, you know, I wish that I wasn't even coaching last year to be able to attend the memorial because I couldn't do that in the middle of the season. And, you know, DT was a guy from day one, welcomed me with open arms, remembered who I was, you know, Miami, Georgia Tech, having those battles back in the day, playing each other every single year. And I just remember walking in that locker room, being a little timid, and meeting this first-round pick that had been drafted the year before me alongside Tim Tebow that welcomed me with open arms and made me feel like I was a peer immediately. 
And that's what DT did. Didn't matter what you did on the field. Didn't matter if he ever met you or, or seen you on the field. He's going to welcome you with open arms from the get-go. And there's so many people in this world that do not take that approach, especially when it comes to football. So I really appreciate who he was off the field more than who he was on the field. And, you know, it's such a sad situation. His life, his upbringing, losing his mom, losing his grandmother mm-hmm. at a very young age where they had to sell those lengthy prison sentences because they were trying to make ends meet and trying to put food on the table. And unfortunately, you become a product of your environment. I know all about that all too well, you know, growing up in Section 8 in Toronto, Canada. But you just believe that, man, him and his mom and his grandmother, they were going to have so much more time, right? It looked like this is the time of life that they get to enjoy. Don't have to worry about money. Don't have to worry about looking over your shoulder or the police or anything like that. Mm -hmm. Don't have to worry about getting into these bad situations. Don't have to worry about missing time because DT is working his butt off to, to go make a living and continue to play football. It looked like this was the time that they were finally going to get that much needed uh, family time. And unfortunately, you know, uh, uh, soon after retirement, he's no longer here. So it's a crappy situation. Uh, Each and every night I say a prayer for that family because DT was a very special human being and he's going to be remembered forever. No matter what it was, kids or grownups, people that retired, anybody that got a chance to meet Maris Thomas, I promise you, Chris, and I promise you, listeners, they, they know and remember him because he was a person that always would make an impact in people's life, whether it was meeting that person for a short period of time or having a relationship with that person for years. You know, we could all be a little bit more like that and the world would probably be a better place, right? Yes, absolutely. You're listening to Believe in the Broncos presented by Bet Online. Oh, Cowboys are coming to town. It's funny. I'm a season ticket holder besides covering the Broncos. And I will tell you, no one's asked me for a preseason ticket for the last six years. In fact, I had a hard time giving those things away. And I, people have been coming out of the woodwork being like, hey, man, you want, can I get those Cowboys tickets? And stuff like people are excited about the Denver Broncos. Cowboys are going to come in, do joint practices. Since I last talked to you, how have the practices been? Have they ramped up a little bit um, as far as the physicality and just kind of what's kind of been going on with the practices last week yeah. and early this week? Yeah, well, they have not really ramped it up as far as the physicality goes. I watched a drill today where the Broncos were doing one-on-ones with running backs and linebackers, and they were doing pass rush drills, and it looked like they were just kind of doing it Kind of like a mirror drill where it was just all hands. <laughs> there wasn't no putting a face mask in. They were using your shoulders. It was really just all hands. And you know, I'm interested to see how that transitions to when live bullets are flying here when Dallas comes or here when you get that preseason, you start playing these preseason games. But um, this team, defensively, I feel like they've taken strides since the last time we've talked and big strides. And let's Mm -hmm. just be honest, the defensive playbook is a lot smaller than the offensive playbook. Offensively, I see them working very hard to get this timing down in this run game, and they're they're moving in the right direction for sure. Uh, Obviously, when you have Russell Wilson, you have a guy that you could – you're in every single game because he has seen it all. He's competed at the highest level. He's been down before, and he's been able to come back from big deficits. But what, what I've been upset about, 
and this is just me telling the truth. Um, it's just the wide receivers, the tight ends, the running backs, and that's strictly in the passing game. You know, when they drop a ball or they don't get a completion, it's a, it's just like, oh, you know, a, night, a hand clap. Oh, dang, you know, I'll get it. Dang it. Time. And for me, I, I want to see a better body language. I want to see guys frustrated because those days of Trevor Simeon or, you know, the Brock Osweiler or, or you know, uh, Teddy Bridgewater, Drew Locke, uh, Joe Flacco, whoever you want to say at the quarterback position, those days are gone. You actually have a quarterback now that keeps you in every game and that could, you know, that could go out there and do some special things from that position. So I just wanted them to turn up a sense of urgency because we know that once football starts that first month, you're really trying to create an identity. And I get that. But if you're really a team that are, have Super Bowl aspirations or want to make a deep run into the playoffs, it's got to mean a little bit more to you. And I truly believe that your body language needs to change for people to notice that it means a little bit more to you. It's almost like the body language of, oh, Drew Locke is back there. Or, oh, it's Teddy <laughs> Bridgewater back there. Where it's kind of like a here we go again type of scenario. Where I just want guys out there just you know, competing their butts off each and every day and just saying the heck with it. You know, you could believe in me, coach, because I'm out here busting my butt. And when I don't catch a ball or, you know, the timing is off, I'm out here frustrated because it means so much more to me. You know, Broncos lost Tim Patrick. That was one of the heartbeats in that locker room. And, you know, I want a little bit more guys to be like Tim Patrick, where I know it means something to them. And for me, it might be a little thing. I might be making a big deal out of something that's not even there. But at the same time, I, I just know how hard it is to win in this league. And, and I just want to see these guys compete a little bit harder each and every day at the wide receiver room in the passing game. I'm talking and tight end room and the running back room as well. Do you think that would be up to the coach to maybe hold them more accountable or are they doing that more behind closed doors? You know what I mean? Because I could see as a coach and I, if I see it the way you're describing it and I've seen it, that would be frustrating. Yeah. You know, for me, um, I don't care what you do behind closed doors. Great. It's got to come out on the field (laughs) and whatever they're doing behind closed doors, it's just not coming out really on the field. So uh, I don't think these guys understand how good they have it. I know that the Broncos are young on offense specifically, but you, you don't get this. Like, you know, lightning doesn't strike the same place twice, they say, right? And essentially that's what happened when the Broncos got Peyton Manning in 2012 and now being able to trade for Russell Wilson, Mike Stroke twice in the same place. And now the sense of urgency has to kick in where it means more. And Russ doesn't look like a Peyton Manning guy. You know, we just talked about DT at length. One of the, my favorite stories about Peyton Manning, well, I have two. I have one where he comes in within the first days of our team installs and he's talking to wide receivers and he says, Hey, listen, when you're running a drag route or you're running a crossing route across the field, wherever I tell you, wherever I throw the ball, I'm telling you where to run. So if I throw the ball out in front of you, I'm telling you that you have the sideline to keep on going. That most likely the defense is playing cover three or cover four and the safeties and cornerbacks are way deep. But if I throw the ball on your back shoulder, I'm telling you it's cover two. And you, if you keep on going to that sidelines, you're going to get annihilated by that corner that's sitting out there in the flats. And I remember just sitting there as a young football player. I was about 23. I'm like, yeah, BS. 
I, I called BS on this. So I started focusing on practice and where he was putting the ball. And sure as heck, because every time I was covered to him, back shoulder throw. Where he's telling the receiver to cut it back and cut up the field. Every time now it was covered three or, or quarters covers where the safeties and cornerbacks were deep back, he'd put it out in front of them and give that wide receiver or tight end or that running back that sideline. So I was like, man, that's really cool because you're basically putting the ball six inches to the left or six inches to the right. And you have to understand each one of these receivers, their speed and, and their catch radius and so as how they run routes. And yet he was able to do that. When I look at another thing that Peyton did was DT. One of the first walkthroughs that we had in, you know, uh, OTAs, they ran a, a route incomplete. Peyton says, run it again. They run the route incomplete again. And Peyton then loses his mind to DT, Demaris Thomas, first round pick, right? We all know what DT's done for Rock and Country. Peyton goes off on him. And he's like, did I tell you to run that route at 23 or did I tell you to run it at 25? And <laughs> he just got after DT where it's like, oh my goodness, like why is he going so hard right now? And they ran it again and completion, easy completion, where it was about the details. And Peyton made you pay attention to the details. And it didn't matter if the coaching staff was out there. It didn't matter if fans were out there, the media was out there. Peyton was going to let it be known that you just screwed up. And he held you to a higher standard. So I'm looking for Russ to do a little bit more of that because we have a young offense. Alberto is young. Jerry Judy, KJ Hammer. Hey, Corbin Sutton's even young. You take a year out for ACL. You know, he's only really played three years of football in the National Football League. So, and last year, when you could scratch that, recovered from ACL injury. So that's two years now going in. He's going to his fifth year on paper, but he hasn't played a ton of football. So it's going to be the little things and paying attention to detail. So looking for Russ, and I, I get it, you know, that might not be your leadership way, but at some point you've got to realize that you got a young football team and whatever you guys have been doing, it has not been working. So you got to find a way to motivate the, this room. With Peyton, day one, guys knew that their game had to step up and guys had heard the rumblings of the type of person that he was. And a lot of it for me, you know, playing three years with Peyton, I was terrified, terrified that he'd call <laughs> me out in meetings or terrified you'd call me out on the field. And that's what motivated me and drove me every single day. So I didn't want to be singled out. A lot of these guys, it, it's almost like, man, it's acceptable to, to drop the ball. And that's really not because the standard here is higher. Right. Um, moving to the other side of the ball, someone that's popped uh, Malik Reed, he's getting some comparisons to Shaq Barrett. And that is, uh, you know, the pass rush, is important because it's kind of all up in the air with Gregory and Chubb, the injury history and, you know, having the, that next man up mentality, having a guy like Reed um, step up would be big. How's he look to you? He's done great. You know, Malik's been working his butt off. At one point he's led this team in sacks. So with Bradley Chubb on this football team. So I'm looking for big things out of Malik. And right now he's, he's fighting his butt off to say, I deserve more snaps. I deserve more reps. You got a lot of money invested in Randy Gregory. We know that the Broncos are going to play him. That's just the new coaching staff as well. So George Payton believes in him and Hackett and company believes in him. And the question mark is Bradley Chubb. What are you going to do? So Malik Reed has showed if you want to move on from Bradley Chubb, I, I could get more reps in this defense. I, he has earned the right to get those reps. 
But it's you're still going to wait to see what Bradley Chubb does, especially first time of his career, not having to rehab something going into training camp. But Malik Reed has definitely, when you look at all the outside linebackers on this team, you know, um, Jonathan Cooper, you look at um, Nick Benito, you look at Bradley Chubb, uh, Malik Reed ha- has been able to flash majority of the time where you're seeing them multiple days where it's not like a fluke or an anomaly. You're seeing them flash yesterday, but also I'm seeing them give uh, Calvin, John, uh, Calvin Anderson heck hell today, right? So right. just getting after his butt again. Where that's what you want to see because now you're building consistency. So Malik has looked good, and I'm excited to watch him play this year. It's going to be interesting to see who's active on game day for the Broncos with the outside linebacker position and who's not because that is a crowded room for them. And that's a good problem to have. Last thing for you. Oh, Cowboys coming to town. We got these joint practices. What are you looking for? Like, what are you going to key on uh, during these practices besides hopefully ramping up the physicality, which will happen regardless? Looking forward to just watching guys compete. Uh, This is no longer your teammate. Right? There's no longer the brother-in-law or, hey, we need this guy to go win football games during the season. No, this is Dallas. You don't need any of them to go win football games when it matters. So I'm looking forward to these guys competing and each and every day, you know, how it looks, you know, how it looks at, uh, from a physicality standpoint. I know we, we have talked about that at length, but it is what it is. You know, Nathaniel Hacker is going to run his practice how he wants to run his practice. But now this is your first opportunity to compete. So I'm looking for guys to be salivating that in the mouth and just flat out get after it when when Dallas gets in town here in a couple of days. Do you have any idea how they're going to like structure these practices? We know the Broncos don't really do one-on-ones. Well, they're actually only doing one practice. Mike McCarthy, I've heard that that he doesn't really like practices against other teams. I I, I don't know. But it's actually just (laughs) going to be one practice from my understanding. So we'll see how, how it's been. It's been hard to get a real beat on what the Broncos are doing with their practice schedule. Um, it changes every other day, it seems like, kind of what they do. They talked about not doing one-on-ones, and then all of a sudden they were doing one-on-ones this Saturday um, in the red area with the Robert really? and, and corners. So that was interesting. Um, but, yeah, haven't seen no seven-on-seven. Haven't seen the offensive line or defensive line do one-on-ones. But I would imagine that that's going to change when Dallas comes in town. Good stuff. Oh, next week we get a breakdown of preseason game. Is that exciting or what? Right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I truly am excited because I'm starting to do a little bit more TV stuff, and I'm actually going to do the post game show for um, uh, uh, Channel Nine or uh, so, yeah, Channel Nine, one, one, one of the media stations out here. Right after uh, the Buffalo game, so yeah, I, I'm I'm super excited because I, I get to just sit there and talk football. You know, we get football from now until February, and, and that's exciting times. So you're gonna get all suited up, looking all GQ smoothie on TV for us. Yes, yes, suited and booted. Uh, whenever I'm on TV, it's go time. So absolutely, <laughs> good stuff, Big O. You can listen to Big O Monday through Friday, six to nine with Cecil Lammy on 104.3 The Fan. If, you, if you're not in Denver, just download the Fan app and listen to him and Cecil. Really good show. Follow him on... 
Twitter and Instagram at ofranklin74. Good stuff. Oh, and look forward to talking to you next week. Hey, thanks a lot, Chris. I hope you enjoy the rest of your week and enjoy your weekend. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.